people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose to work. work. HR led organization is. I'm the sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello, this is Sri Chalapa with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Rebecca Weaver. Rebecca Weaver is the founder and CEO of HR Apprise, an employee advocacy organization that supports employees and companies with flexible, independent HR for the new future of work. For, the, for more than 20 years, Rebecca worked in high levels of leadership in companies that ran the gamut from Fortune 50 companies to experimental startups. Rebecca started HR Uprise as an Instagram account in the wake of Me Too, calling for HR professionals to reflect on their role in creating unsafe workplaces for employees. At HR Uprise, Rebecca advises small businesses in building equitable HR practices from the ground up with HR support designed for today's employees' needs. She also provides cutting edge thought leadership on HR disruption as a public speaker, writer, and as a host of the Problem Performers podcast. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. It's, it's uh, nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So you, uh, we were chatting right before this recording and we were talking about a topic that I wasn't really paying much attention to uh, about uh, trauma that pandemic caused, which I guess most people still don't recognize that it was traumatic for a lot of people. Uh, you know, and I suffered a little bit of social anxiety for at least a year, if not longer after that. And I didn't realize why it was. And maybe, maybe it is that. Um, but that being said, you know, what made you interested in this topic to begin with? Yeah, that's a great question. I, it really was my own experience um, during the pandemic. So uh, we all have our own experiences and our own, I think, versions of trauma related to the pandemic, um, certainly the ways in which it has changed us. Um, so my story is I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the very beginning of the pandemic. So January of 2020. And um, my husband is an emergency physician uh, who works at the hospital where the first COVID patient here in the United States was treated. So it hit us very, very early. Um, and I had just begun chemotherapy when things started to shut down. And so our two young girls were with us um, at the time, um, home from school, um, so home 24-7. And we made the decision my husband had to move out while I went through chemotherapy. He was treating patients every day with a disease that we knew very, very little about. Um, It was very deadly and decided that would be the safest thing for all of us. So I went through five months of chemotherapy um, with our young girls at home. They were six and three at the time. And it fundamentally changed who I am, um, fundamentally changed in a lot of ways how, how I view the world. 
Um, and in the middle of treatment, I came across this concept called post-traumatic growth. So like a lot of people, I was familiar with the concept of post-traumatic stress, but had never heard the term post-traumatic growth before. And the idea is a concept in psychology that is essentially, it explains how a percentage of people who go through a trauma are able to grow after the trauma. And so that really started me on this path of digging in. And as I went through treatment, then after chemotherapy, it was multiple surgeries and seven weeks straight of radiation. Um, and then all of the um, transition <laughs> afterwards back to life. And I use sort of air quotes for that because it, there really was nothing of my previous life that I knew of um, that really existed anymore. Certainly not the way I viewed the world. Um, and so it really set me on this path and having, as you said in the the intro, having had 20 years of HR experience through all of this, I really was wondering and thinking a lot about and continue to with my business and the clients that we work with really think about how did that entire experience of the pandemic change all of us and what can we learn from that experience um, to really create and shape a better future for us all. Well, kudos to you for going through that uh, experience and then talking about it. And now you're working on a book uh, on That's the right. topic. And like you said, I've heard the term PTSD or post-traumatic stress. Uh, haven't really thought about post-traumatic growth. Uh, I guess some people grow from it and some people continue to suffer from it. I guess there is a way to grow from it if you recognize that. Um, so talk to me about how, you know, in the context of workplaces, how has pandemic caused trauma, if you will, um, that, you know, obviously I was not thinking about in those terms. So it'd be helpful to know, you know, in your own research and observation, I'm sure you've done quite a bit of that. What has changed or in terms of that, uh, pandemic's impact at work on workplaces and people's own behaviors um, that you would cause that you would call has caused trauma. Yeah. Well, I want to be clear. I'm not a psychologist, so I want to be really careful with that. Um, but you're right. I have done a lot of research. I've spoken to a lot of psychologists. Um, and so trauma is a very specific term um, in psychology. And so I'll be careful that I'm not attempting to diagnose anyone. Um, cause that would be inappropriate, but, but I can speak to how, how the pandemic has changed. So, so many of us. And so you think about previous to the pandemic as an HR professional, I, you know, had the opportunity to work for some very experimental companies. And I would say they were very cutting edge, um, in terms of working remotely, um, you know, having flexible schedules, um, a lot of the things that we were forced into in the pandemic, um, and there were a lot of companies that I worked with prior to the pandemic who would say, oh, you know, we love love the idea of, um, you know, flexible work locations or remote work, but that won't work for us. We, you know, our work is different. Um, so whether it was creative pursuits or collaboration that was required or, you know, any number of 
um, explanations or excuses. Companies would say, oh, no, that wouldn't work for us. And then, of course, with the pandemic, it was forced upon so many businesses. Um, You know, I've spoken to dozens and dozens of people whose entire businesses went away almost literally over literally overnight. Right. Um, You know, we see a lot of this in hospitality, restaurants completely gone, um, hotels, um, businesses, uh, folks who would run Airbnb businesses gone, you know, all of these things, um, various businesses that, that just business um, dried up almost overnight. And that in and of itself is highly traumatic for, for people. Um, It was a time where there was so much uncertainty. And I think so many of the things that we had long considered to be um, just sort of the norm. Um, concepts like, for example, let's take my husband's profession, medicine. He went, he went into medicine and that is a profession that we have long considered to be very stable. Oh, people will always be sick, right? People will always need, um, to have a physician, a doctor. And yet after the initial wave of COVID sort of subsided, Hospitals were seeing no one. No one was coming into the hospital because they thought that they were being overrun by COVID, even when that was no longer the case. So their business dried up. So it's all of these things that, you know, we had considered um, to be the norm, you know, or things that we took for granted um, Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden were not anymore. And that has the effect of really making people feel like the bottom has dropped out. I, I no longer know um, what I can count on or what is reliable. So as a, now talking about the, as a leader, right? And mm-hmm. they're also humans like everyone else. Yeah. Um, they obviously went through some of that and they obviously cannot be as open about it sometimes as other people can because they don't want to be, appear as weak or vulnerable, vulnerable at work to some extent. So how do that, how do they, so I guess if you were to, you know, talk about being a CEO or a, or a CXO or whatever, how do they grow from this COVID trauma, if you will, or, or whatever impact it was, whatever the medical term might be appropriate there. Yeah. So that they can be better leaders. Yeah. Uh, and what, what have you seen work? Well, first and foremost, I think it is a recognition that we are all human at work and that there is absolutely no such thing as leaving it at home. I, I, and I mean that in a literal sense now, I mean, I, I'm talking to you from my home office. Um, and so many of us, you know, are continuing to do that, but the pandemic showed us that, that even more than ever, this blending of work and home life, um, is now the norm. Um, in so many ways, um, or at the very least, we're seeing um, an integration of those things. And so when you talk about leaders not wanting to appear weak, I think that we have um, much more language around um, what we're all experiencing. I think there needs to be a recognition for leaders that they are just as human as their employees are. And I think that so when we when I've studied post traumatic growth, there are five principles or pillars um, that essentially make up 
post-traumatic growth. And so those are things like having a new appreciation of life, um, envisioning new possibilities, spiritual change, personal growth. And the, the last one is relationships with others. So we have seen that we cannot survive without having strong connections with others. And I think having a deep understanding of each of these pillars of post-traumatic growth gives us a new framework, really, for thinking about leadership, thinking about it is much more than just, I am the leader, I am responsible for, you know, A, B, and C. It is, we are in this together, um, and we each have a different role to play, but really recognizing that need for connection that need for a relationship um, with each other and, and really to have um, a deep understanding and skill building when it comes to um, relationships to be a strong and effective leader. So how do I recognize in the first place that I have trauma? Like what are some of the indicators of that? I think, yeah. So again, staying away from the kind of, you know, clinical definition of trauma I think looking at um, are there are there challenges? Are there things that used to feel easy that don't anymore? Um, for myself, I um, have now started to attend conferences in person again, and it's been years. It's been a few years since I did that, and I used to love it. I used to go, at, you know, be the classic extrovert, and I would get my energy from other people. I love talking with people all day long. And I still do. I still very much enjoy having conversations with people, meeting new people, learning about their stories. But it takes so much more energy for me now than it ever used to before. And I find myself absolutely exhausted at the end of the day, as opposed to energized and, you know, feeling ready to go. So for me, that's just one example, um, you know, of how I've seen these things really, really change for me. Um, you know, my desire to, in the work that I do, and a lot of this for me is direct result of having gone through cancer treatment and um, really con confronting my own mortality at a young age. Um, for me, it's very different um, now when I think about what do I want out of a career? What does that look like? Um, what is critically important to me and what is not anymore. Um, I have fundamentally changed in terms of um, how I view the future versus how I appreciate the here and now. Um, for me, it is a, a, you know, I think of it as this aggressive daily reminder that tomorrow is not promised. And again, we saw that directly during the pandemic. Yeah. At a scale of millions of people. And so for me, this aggressive daily reminder, I I want to use that um, and turn it around and say, okay, so tomorrow is not promised. So now what? What are you going to do with your time? How is it going to be meaningful? How will you be contributing something meaningful to society? Yeah. So, you know, obviously you had a much more traumatic experience than probably a lot of us and you know it's it's really um 
impressive what you learned from that process and grew from that process and timeline. Um, but as a looking at a, a, a leader who might be oblivious that or not recognize, because sometimes you just don't want to recognize, you refuse to recognize, right? That there is a problem. And then you say that's there's a problem with me, so there's a problem with anyone in the workplace either. It's like what advice have you been giving leaders as you in your own consulting practice? You know, how has workplace changed? What should they be doing differently than what they were doing before? Yeah. I think the first and foremost it is that recognition that uh People in general are more stressed out than they've ever been. They're more lonely than they've ever been. I mean, we have the Surgeon General of the U.S. talking about loneliness as an epidemic and saying that medically speaking, so the effects of loneliness are now the same as smoking. Mm -hmm. Those are the long-term effects um, of loneliness, people are, you talk about folks who are in the sandwich generation. So folks who are caring for aging parents and also caring for children at the same time. As we see, all of this is happening. And I think you absolutely need to assume that your employees have some or all of this going on, some kind of trauma potentially, or again, just huge challenges um, that have affected and fundamentally changed what they're doing um, and how they think about life, how they think about work um, and all of the above. So I think in, first and foremost, it, it really does require that recognition. So uh, to talk to me about this book you're working on, uh, what is the name of the book? What are some of the key takeaways of the book? Um, and what do you hope people um, can learn from the book. Yeah, thank you. So the working title um, for now is Rise, How We've Changed and How That's Changing Work. And it is due out in June of 2024. So it will be coming very soon, sooner <laughs> sooner than I um, would like to think of at this stage. Um, but I'm really excited um, for everyone to get a chance to to read it. Um, it is definitely will have my personal story in there. Um, I have also interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of folks who have gone through their own version of post-traumatic growth. Um, I think the best way that we can learn from each other is to share stories and talk about the things that maybe have been difficult to talk about in the past um, and really use that as a, as a method for connecting. I'll yeah. go through so it goes through each of the pillars that I mentioned earlier um, and talking about how that's impacting us in the world of work. And then we'll also talk about what I call the growth organization. So from a systems perspective, there are so many things that we as leaders, especially business owners and folks who are in a position to make decisions on behalf of their organization, what do we need to think of from a systems perspective? Um, and so, for example, that is how we're organizing, um, how we're supporting employees, um, what kind of benefits do we offer, um, what does a leave of absence policy need to look like in this future state, um, and it really does come down to how are we caring for our employees, 
And so, again, it really is focused on leadership, focused specifically on the workplace, but there's so much more than that. Um, there's just as, you know, we're not separate people outside of work. Um, this book really views all of us as, as human um, and whole humans and really explores that idea of, you know, how do we move forward when everything has changed? Well, thank you very much for your wonderful work and your experience that you're reflecting in this book and on this podcast, and I'm, I'm assuming all on online as well. Um, how can people learn more about you, your work, your organization, um, and then uh, and how, how can um, like what kind of work do you actually do with organizations that they can look to get from you? Yeah, great. So you can connect with me at our website, which is hruprise.com. Um, you can connect with me personally on LinkedIn as well. I love to connect with folks on LinkedIn and let, let me know that you heard me on this podcast. Um, and I, so our, our work with HR Uprise is we offer a couple of things. Um, we offer employee coaching. So anybody can go book a session with an HR coach today, um, get help with a workplace issue, and you don't have to worry about it getting back to your employer. And then we also do business. Um, we also work with businesses who are small and ultra small is what I usually say. Um, so we have all kinds of HR support um, from um, group coaching all the way up to fractional HR uh, for businesses with usually uh, less than 100 employees. Excellent. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's been a wonderful uh, time talking to you. And I wish you all the best, uh, all the best with your work and your uh, book. Um, and and thanks for sharing your story. Thank you so much. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag People Strategy Leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios for recording and mixing this show.